last week, um, Antoine preached the Word of God to us here. And uh, great job there. But since I didn't preach last week, I have two sermons for us today. <laughs> I really do. I really do. Uh, so we're going to start in 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 24. Now, one of the things about the Bible that reassures us is the inspired Word of God is that it just lays things out. It doesn't try to paint a pretty picture all the time. Like everything is always great. No, when things are bad, things are bad. When people do something that's dumb, God still puts that there for a lesson for us to learn. So he doesn't just paint a pretty picture. And what we're going to read today is one of the uh, most horrific scenes probably in the history of mankind as of what was going on with God's people. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son so we may eat him today. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. As he went along the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. So Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger messenger ahead. But before he arrived, Elijah said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. It's not the sound of the master's footsteps behind him. While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. And the king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whom the arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, Elisha answered, for you will not eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance to the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. That makes sense. They kill us, we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. 
When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid it also. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Armenian camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to the officers, I will tell you what the Armenians have done to us. They know that we are starving, so they left the camp and hid in the countryside thinking they will surely come out and then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of his officers answered, Have some men take five horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to, to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses. Yeah, they did. And the king sent them after the Armenian army. The commander, the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Armenians had thrown away in their heading flight, headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Armenians. So a sea of flour sold for a shekel, and two seeds of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord has said. Now the king had put an officer who was on his, whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died, just as the man of God had foretold when the king came to his house. It happened as the man of God said to the king, About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seeds of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer has said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? The man of God replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And that is exactly what happened to him. For the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much again for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I do pray that you'll help each of us to walk away with what you want us to hear from today's lesson. God, let it not be words that, that I'm just shooting out of my mouth, but words that you want us to hear, words that you want us to understand, and words you want us to put into practice. God, thank you once again for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we just read, again, one of the most horrific scenes in the Bible. Samaria is a city in the land of what we call today Palestine or Israel. And Samaria, Samaria was tightly shut in by the Armenian army. 
there was no way to escape. If they opened the gates, the Armenians would come in and destroy everything. So they kept the gates shut. The Armenians were there, and all they wanted to do was to starve them out. Let them die in there slowly. So they were outside enjoying themselves, having feasts, enjoying the food. But inside, it was a famine. To the point that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels. That's what they were eating, donkey's heads. Now, 80 shekels in our money today would be $510. That's how much they paid for this donkey's head so they could eat it. Then that's some nasty food for $510. Not only that, but they would take a sieve. A sieve is basically dove dung, dove poop. And what they would do is they would sell the poop, and you would scrape through the poop to see if there's any seeds that were not digested by the dove. Then you would take the seeds out, and you would eat those seeds. So this is the level that they had gotten down to because of starvation. They were paying for dove dung. They were paying for donkey's heads. This was a drastic, desperate situation. Now, that's inside the city. So then outside the city, there were four lepers. And they had to be outside the city because that was the the law of Moses, that if you had leprosy, you could not be inside the city. You had to be outside, ostracized. So they're outside, and they're thinking, look, we're going to die anyway. Let's just take a chance. Let's just do something. Let's not just sit here until we die. So they thought, well, let's go over to Armenians' camp. They may kill us. They may not. So they went over there. All of a sudden, they realized Armenians had left. This was a tremendous time. But as that was going on, the king was upset with Elijah. So he said, you know what? Let's let's kill him. I need his head cut off today. So we went to go kill Elijah. Elijah prophesied to him, hold up, just wait a minute, wait on the Lord. Tomorrow is going to be a new day. Guys, that's, that could be a lesson, but that's not my lesson. Sometimes we just need to hold on because tomorrow is going to be another day. And we don't know what God has in store for us the next day. But sometimes we give up so fast that day that we don't wait for the Lord to do what he came to do. So the king, being as negative as he was, he thought this was all a setup once he heard the Armenians had left. This is a setup. They're just trying to kill us. You know, that's what happens when we get discouraged. We get so negative. We think everybody's out to get us. There's always a plot. They're trying to take me away. He was so discouraged that he just thought this is a plan. We're all going to die. So somebody said, you know what, let's just send some horses and some men out there. These horses are going to die anyway. We're going to end up eating them. These men are going to die anyway. What do we have to lose? Let's just do something. So they sent them over there. They get there, and all of a sudden, they look, and all the Armenians are gone. They got food. They got money. They got treasure. So much stuff there. Then the word comes back, and everybody, mass rush to get out there. And as they're rushing out there, the same man that doubted, Elijah, is trampled at the gate, and he dies. So he sees what's going on, but he doesn't get to experience any of it. Now, that's my intro to my two lessons today. So I got two sermons for us today. My first sermon is for those that are not Christians, those that are studying the Bible, those that are here visiting. Because sometimes people say, man, I wonder if he was preaching at me. I don't want you to be confused today. Yes. 
this first sermon is for you. The next one is going to be for all those members of the congregation. So after my first one, don't just leave because you're going to become a member. And so you need to hear the second one as well. But the first one is for you. Now, if you already are a member, don't shut out because you still need to hear this. Because some of us can be on the membership but not be a member. So we all need to hear what I'm saying. So the first thing is this. For those that, that aren't disciples of Jesus yet. Why stay here until we die? That is exactly what these four lepers said. Why stay here until we die? This message is so clear, I want to make it clear to you. Why stay outside of a relationship with Christ until you die? Why do that? Why remain uncommitted to Christ? Why are you not making the opportunity of becoming a Christ a blessing? Instead, you're making it difficult. You say, well, I've had bad experiences. You know what? My first time, my second time in New York, I ate some bad pizza. It was horrible. But I didn't stop eating pizza because I had that one bad experience. You can't take one experience and then that's how it's just going to be for the rest of my life. Maybe you did have a bad religious experience. But that does not mean God is bad because you had an experience that was bad. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. God makes it easy and clear that any good-hearted person can become a Christian. Any good-hearted person can become a Christian. So I ask you, not in a critical way, but really in a pleading way, why stay the way you are instead of having a relationship with God? It really makes no sense to stay outside. I know I want to be, but I'm not. I know I should be, but I'm not. I know You know a lot of stuff. Well, why stay where you are until you die? Why not do something about it? Now, this isn't uncommon because Jesus even encountered people who were religious but not right with him. In verse 17, Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good alone. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it? For the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. 
Jesus said, okay, if you want to be a Christian, you want to be a disciple, a follower of me, then you have to make me Lord of your life. That's your mother, father, wife, children. See, the question is, if, if you're studying the Bible or you're not a Christian, what is stopping you from making that decision and becoming a Christian? There has to be something you're holding on to that you don't want to let go of that's holding you back. Just like this guy. He was a good guy. He honored his father. I mean, he, com- he kept all those commandments. But there was one thing he didn't want to let Jesus be Lord of, and that was his money. And this isn't a money lesson. This is a sin lesson. Because there's one thing that each of us has, at least one, that's hard to let go of. Now, I'm preaching those that are not members, but just because you are a member, you don't need to sit there and feel uncomfortable. Oh, man, I brought my friend today, and he's he's busted him out today. No, 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 no. You need to understand, we need to encourage people as they study the Bible. We don't want to beat anybody down. We need to encourage and help build their faith. And a lot of that is for us to share what we've gone through, what we held on to, what was our one struggle. My struggle was the relationship I was in. I had two big things, whether or not I would go play professional football. I was, here, let's go to Canada, had a contract. Money on the table. And then they said, do you want to go into the ministry? My first thought, how much do I make? And they told me, (laughs) whatever. It wasn't even a comparison. But then I knew if I went and played ball, I was going to get caught up in that lifestyle I once lived, and I would not stay faithful to God. So it cleared up my decision. But that was a hard decision because that was a dream that I had. And to let go of your dream as it's in your grasp, that's hard. Not only that, I had a girlfriend who was nine months pregnant. And she didn't want anything to do with God, the church, nothing. So that was another decision. What do I do with this situation? Do I stay with her? Do I not stay with her? I'm like, okay, this is a tough call for me to make. Of course, I chose the Lord instead of Satan, or I'm sorry, instead of her, sorry. My bad, my bad. And then she had the baby, and it wasn't my baby. See, I could have been on Mari. You are not the father. But it was pretty obvious when the baby came out white with red hair. Wasn't my kid at all. Didn't even need to go to Mari on that one. But sometimes the things we want to hold on to that pull us away from God, God is trying to tell you, let it go. You don't know. Let it go. But this guy was the only guy, that, as I read the Bible, that sincerely approached Jesus that walked away sad. This was the only guy because he sincerely wanted to be right with God. But he also sincerely did not want to give up a part of his life. See, it doesn't take years to become a Christian. If you were in a burning house, I bet you you wouldn't sit there and fast and pray for months. You say, the exit is where I'm going. If I don't see it, I'm going to make one. You would get out. So here's the situation. You're headed down a burning road. 
What is more desperate than a soul on the road to hell? You got to understand, I got to make some decisions. I got to let some things go because it's more important that I'm right with God than I have these things of the world. Look in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1. Here's another guy that came to Jesus. And he came to Jesus at night. He was a very religious guy, Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. See, Nicodemus, he had a problem here. His problem wasn't that he couldn't understand. His problem was that he didn't have enough faith to stand for Jesus. He knew the right thing. He was a teacher. He understood. Jesus laid it out to him pretty clearly. But yet, he didn't have enough faith to say, you know what? This is right. I'm standing with Jesus. Now, later on, if you read through, and you read through the book of uh, uh, the Bible, you'll see that Nicodemus did become a follower of Jesus. So he did eventually get that faith. But at this time, he didn't have that faith. You say, well, how did he get it? Well, just like it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message. What's the message? The Word of God. You can't miss church, miss your discipling time, miss midweeks, and think you're going to grow in your faith. You say, I want to become a Christian, but... I'm just not like all you guys. Well, why don't you hang around all you guys more, and then you can have the faith. See, the issue is you're not going to grow to become a Christian if you're not at church, if you're not reading your Bible every day. So you've got to put your faith in something. Not someone, us, but something. That something is Jesus. That something is God. That is so important for us. Why? Because I don't want you to put your faith in me. There are some preachers that long for that. I don't want that. Because I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to say something that offends somebody. I offend myself. I know I'm going to offend other people. But you can't put your faith in the church or in the person that invited you to church or in what we're doing as a movement. Your faith has got to be in God. It cannot be in people. Jesus challenged the Pharisees on this because they would not make a stand. He'd ask them something, they'd just get quiet. They wouldn't even say nothing. They just looked at him. Jesus called them on it to the point they got so angry, they killed him. Guys, God wants you to love him, but he's not going to make you love him. And here's the thing. We've got to understand. We can't get mad. Don't get mad at the preacher. Don't get mad at God. See, we get mad at other things because we're not obeying God's word. Things aren't going right, so then we get mad at somebody. I don't like how you're studying the Bible with me. 
You didn't use the right tone. I don't like how you're approaching me. Are you mad at people or are you mad at yourself? Because the real issue, we need to get mad at Satan. Why? Because you've been duped. You've been had. You've been bamboozled. you got to understand, this is what happened. You didn't land on Jesus. Jesus landed on you. we got to understand, it's important for us to be angry at the right thing. And it's Satan. It's not people. Don't put your faith in people. You will be let down. It must be in Jesus. So here's the thing. Turn over to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. It lays it out pretty clearly here. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Again, don't get mad at people. Don't blame people. Don't focus on people. Your personal sins is what we need to deal with. And nobody is talking down to you because we were all just as jacked up as you are. And that's the incredible thing about this fellowship. You can look around again and find somebody just as jacked up as you are. Only thing about it, we just saved. Jacked up and saved. You need to get on board with the save part instead of just being jacked up. Why? Because I do want you to walk out of here feeling good, talking about, hold on. Everything's going to be all right. But you've got to understand, first of all, you're in a desperate situation. Quit playing and quit acting like you're not. The road to hell is a desperate situation. And you got to have faith in order to make it happen. Now, I'm glad you're visiting with us, but I want to encourage you to stop visiting and become a member. Get things right. Stop visiting and be a part of what we're doing. You say, how do I do that? You study the Bible. Whoever brought you, you need to say, hey, what's taking you so long? We need to study the Bible. Study with me. Help me. Something's got to happen, guys, but I want to encourage you to go after it quickly. Now, that's the first lesson. And let me shift gears for my second lesson. And this is for everybody that's already made Jesus Lord, already said I'm a member, already said I'm a, a part of the fellowship. Well, here's my sermon for you. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, I'm not trying to run anybody away. I'm just trying to wake us up. This is better than Starbucks. Listen to me now. So message number two, verse nine. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. My point is this. If you are a disciple of Jesus... We're not doing right if we don't share the good news with other people. We are not doing right if we don't share the good news with other people. Here's these guys. They go out there. They find all this plunder. They take it and they bury it. 
And they go to another tent. Woo, here's some more. Let's do it. They grab it and they bury it. And then they go to another, and then, wait, you know what? Look at all we got. We got all this. This is so good. We've been blessed. It is not right for us to just keep quiet and just keep it all to ourselves instead of sharing this with everybody else who's back there hurting and dying. They're eating their own babies. They're eating donkey head, dove dung. They're eating all that. And we're sitting here living large with all the blessings we have. Guys, you know what? In the kingdom, we've all been blessed in so many ways. Some of us have found somebody to marry. Some of us are, are, are not in jail. Some of us have gotten jobs. Some of us, our health is better. Our life is better. Listen to me. If Aaron Brunson can start dating Khalifa, your faith needs to grow. Oh, y'all didn't know Aaron's dating? Aaron Brunson and Khalifa Boyce are dating. Just to make sure we're... I was like, boy, that did not get a response I thought it was going to get. If you know Aaron, then you know Khalifa's a good woman. Good, faithful woman. But guys, we've been blessed with so much. Relationships, not just with God, but with each other, around the world. We have people visiting us from all kind of countries. I mean, we have so much here. We had a teen-led service that was incredible. We had a, a, a grandparents' day that was incredible. We do so many things here. But you know what? It's wrong if we don't share that with other people. We are not right. you got to look at yourself. You are just like the lepers dying on the road to death. But God saved you. And now you have so many blessings, and you've buried some. And that, you know what? There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. I probably would have put some for myself, too. Make sure you get it. So we all have that blessing. You should want to go to heaven. There's nothing wrong with that. But then if that's where it stops, that's where the problem starts. It can't just be, let me take care of me, and now I'm good. We also have got to share that. You say, well, that's not my strength. Well, my question is, are you a disciple? Because it may not be your strength to start with, but are you growing in that area for it to become your strength? So why do we not share, and why do we not have more people excited about sharing? Number one is a lack of gratitude. When we don't share, these people were so happy to not have to die and starve to death, that they started sharing it with people. If we're not happy enough to share the gospel, the good news with people, that means we're not grateful for what we have. And you know what? When you're not grateful, you start complaining. Look at the king. Look at all these people. You start complaining. You start looking for the negative and everything. You start getting upset with all that's going on. Guys, we have got to keep a grateful attitude. Now, we're, as a disciple, that's an adult decision. So it can't be like your little kids. You just say, hey, get happy. You don't just get happy. Sometimes you've got to work on that happiness. You know what? That's why we have partners, mentors, spiritual help, so we can get help getting happy sometimes. My marriage isn't happy. Get help. 
My parenting is happy. Get help. My finances, get help. Guys, again, we have resources and blessings. Are we grateful for what we have? Some of us would be in jail, dead, divorced. Where would you be without God at this point? Sometimes you need to remember where you would be so you can become more grateful. Another reason why we don't share is because we have a lack of concern for other people. They were there, they were living it up, these four lepers. And then they started thinking about everybody else that wasn't living it up. You know, we all have friends or family members that are not living it up. They're not happy. They're not joyful. They have no purpose in life. Guys, you know that. Well, I tried to share with them and they didn't listen. You know what? Keep sharing. Let them see your life. Let them see your joy, your marriage, your family. Let them see you. You're a bigger testimony than anything you say. How you live, how you act is the biggest testimony you can give. So you know what? When you look at people, do you see them as desperate in need of help? Or do you just, oh, okay, I got too much to do. I, I, I got stuff going on. Guys, we've got to have a concern for people. And then thirdly, why do we not share? Because we fail to understand our part in God's plan. When you don't share the good news of people, you don't understand your part in God's plan. God not just saved you, but he created you to help somebody else in this world. I don't know who it is. You may not even know right this minute, but God knows. And you will never know unless you start sharing what God has given you. See, God could have used angels to do what he did. But he said, no, I need to use mankind. I want to use people to spread my message. Guys, we need to understand this. Two things as I close out here. If you're not a Christian, why stay in the same place until you die? Because when death comes, you're not going to be able to plead your way out of it. It's going to be over with. And all you're going to be thinking about is, man, I have so many opportunities. I have so many chances. Why didn't I take one of those chances? Why didn't I do something? You don't want to live an eternity of regrets. Do something about it. If you are a Christian, you've got to ask yourself, am I doing what's right? Am I sharing the good news? You say, but I'm not a preacher. I don't know all the Bible studies. I don't know. We're not talking about Bible studies, guys. We're talking about your life, you sharing the good ways God has blessed in your life. Once they hear that, yes, then bring them to church. Then invite them to people. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in Bible. I don't. I don't know who does in here. Maybe nobody. It's not about how smart you are. It's about how you live your life. That's what it's about. And that's what we need to share. So hopefully one of those two sermons today helps you. But guys, let's walk away grateful for what we have. Let's walk away making a decision. I'm not just going to sit here until I die. I'm going to do something. And if we've already done something, then don't keep it to yourself. We need to share with other people. And to God be the glory. Amen.